Say hello to the bad guy, ladies and gentlemen. A top four shake-up in the uh, men's NPL. Red Star continue to do the business in the women's, be it against a much-improved Sibiaco side and a very, very special, exclusive interview with Australian Pararoo, Chris Barty. And welcome back to the Perth Football Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Sean Fry. I'll do my best uh, hosting that I possibly can for you today. Alongside me, producer Kalichi, but he's put the headphones and the microphone on as well, so you're going to hear his voice as well. Kalichi, great to have you on board. Mate, it is great to be here with you. It's good to have the headphones on, and we've got a special one today, mate. We very well, uh, very much do. Uh, before we get on to our very special guest, uh, as dulcet as your tones are, Kalichi, I think we've also got the man with the most dulcet, the dulcetest. I don't know how to say it, but basically the best voice in Perth football Robbie Anderson, Robbie, thanks for being back again. It's a pleasure to be back. Thanks very much. I, I mean, I don't think I would take that title off um, maybe you or Tommy Dolman, oh. but you know, I'm happy to be in the ranks for that. Thank you very uh, much. Honestly, Midnight Anderson is what we should call them. If you put, <laughs> if you put up a vote of who you would rather be read bedtime stories by, me, Tommy, or you, you're winning that not by ninety percent margin, I reckon. I'm going to go Tommy Dolman and just, you know, be on the fence, right? Yeah, all right. We might get Tommy to read Green Eggs and Ham next week and see what everyone thinks. Uh, enough of that nonsense and silliness because we do have a very special guest in here today. Uh, he has been a uh, community engagement facilitator, facilitator rather, in uh, Bassendine uh, in the past. He had the choice to continue being a politician or go to the Olympics, I believe, and decided that, um, yeah, he'd, he'd rather play football. Um, uh, we, we'll get into all of this, but a very, very special guest. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris Barty. No worries, fellas. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, so, Chris, you uh, play for the Pararoos, goalkeeper for the Pararoos. Uh, you also play for... that. That's not the most important team that you play for, though, right? Kalichi's telling me. Who else do you play for? <laughs> uh, look, I, I'm a bit of a football rat. Um, I, I play for a few teams. Uh, so, uh, play for the Jindana Blues in the fourth division Sunday Amateurs. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Res- reserves, I should yep. should point out. Uh, <laughs> our first choice keeper, who's also named Chris, won't be too happy with me taking his spot uh, there. But, uh, yeah, play for the Blues and uh, also fortunate enough to, to captain the, the WA Para uh, uh, football team as well. Um, and, yeah, been fortunate for the last 10 years to, to play for the Para Roos, so yeah. it's been good. Obviously, I, I talk in jest about June Danner. The, the playing internationally is obviously an incredible milestone, uh, no matter who you are. Uh, so we really want to talk about the work that you do in the community and, and in government as well in terms of uh, people with disabilities and uh, inclusivity. But football podcast first, so we're going to jump into the football right away. Uh, just give us a bit of background on your football life experience with, with the Pararoos and, and with um, yeah disability football in general. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess, you know, my football journey probably started, um, you know, a little bit late, uh, later than everybody else. Um, you know, I first probably got into football uh, by chance, just watching the 05 Champions League final. Uh, you know, Liverpool. What a final. Not a, not a bad one. Yeah, let's talk about that for the, for the next hour. <laughs> you know, but I think, you know, all captured by, uh, you know, captured everyone's imagination, right? Uh, you know, great result for, for Liverpool on, on, on the night. And, um, you know, Harry Kuehl, obviously, you know, probably only played about 20 minutes in that game. But, um, you know, probably played about 20 minutes in three years with all the injuries he had. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, great outcome there for Australian football as well on, on the night. And um, that's probably what I first sort of captured my attention. And, of course, 05, you know, um, as a goalkeeper, you know, Mark Schwartz saves two penalties. Um, to help send Australia to World Cup. I think it's probably often overlooked in that game. <laughs> if you ask me, we're all talking about Aloisi, but uh, I think Schwarzer gets overlooked. But um, yeah, so that was, I guess, my first introduction. And um, then a, a few years later, I was, uh, was working as an administrative assistant at the Department of Sport and Recreation, as it, as it was then. It was my first job out of uni. And um, I had a, a, a colleague come up to me and sort of say, look, there's a, there's a young guy. He's, um, he's wanting to start a... Uh, a, a program for a football program for people with cerebral palsy to um, uh, to play, and uh, you know he's he's just starting it over at Loftus Centre, and and uh, you know the Department of Sport and Recreation was uh, based at Leadable Oval. Loftus Centre is obviously you know 500 metres away, and um, I had the target disability and and had never heard about the program, and and just sort of thought, look, you know worst case scenario, give him a call, send him an email, and, and see if I can give him a hand. And look, initially, um, didn't really have any interest in, in in getting involved. I was quite happy. Um, 
you know, drinking beers and eating sausage rolls at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two, two great, you know, pillars of my <laughs> diet still. <laughs> uh, much to the chagrin of, uh, of Football Australia. But um, uh, look, you know, it was something that I thought was was important and um, getting involved through that process and look, just being naturally competitive and, and loving sport, um, slowly started to dip my toe in the water and uh, you know, we set a goal of of um, putting a, a Western Australian team into the national championships in in 2012, and um, you know, through that process, uh, I had to get uh, what they call classified. So essentially, uh, meeting up with a physiotherapist and and having them have a look at my disability and and how that might impact my my uh, my capacity to play football, and and uh, they sort of I sort of said, look, you know, how do you think I'm going? Just you know, as conversation, and they said, look. Reality is you've, you've got the functional ability of, a, of an 85-year-old um, from the from the waist down. So um, that was a, a bit of a, a wake-up moment for me in terms of, um, I guess, the road that I was heading down with, uh, you know, the, the beer and sausage rolls, as it were. Um, and I sort of said, look, you know, what do, what do you think I can do about it? What What's the thing to do? And she said, well, you, you've made some decent steps by, by going down and playing football. And essentially, you know, the choice was I can I can start to make you know physical activity and and particularly football, um, I guess, a part of my life, or or we can we can do start to do some more intensive treatments on the physio table and uh, and you know when you that's a pretty obvious choice, really, isn't it? Like I'd much yeah. rather run around and have some fun with with my mates and there's um, beers after the games as well. Mm, you can still exactly. have a beer and a sausage roll after the game, so yeah. um, you know that's. Uh, um, not sponsored by Healthway, hopefully, but or, uh, or, or halftime at some of the amateur, yeah. <laughs> or beforehand at some of the amateur games. But, uh, but uh, you know, so that was really the start of the start of the journey, and you know, uh, the the WACP football program. You know, we started with uh, you know with three athletes uh, just by the the cricket nets at uh, Gibney Reserve there. Um, at, wow. at Football West, and you know we've now grown to. Uh, actually, where I first first met Robbie last year at the the state CP um, state CP Championships, which was our, our first time doing that, having you know two full two full squads and um, uh, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's come a long way. So, uh, for people that don't know, a lot of people who hear CP man not even know what that is. Uh, t- tell us about your disability uh, and and. Yeah, what, how that experience has been for you in life in general as well as football. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've got a form of cerebral palsy known as uh, spastic diplegia. Um, so essentially, um, look, cerebral palsy is a really broad term that describes a couple of uh, neurological conditions. Um, but for me, what, what happened was um, uh, I was just in my mum's tummy. Um, she had the flu. Um, I just uh, didn't get enough oxygen over a period of time. Um, and that resulted in, in a brain injury. Um, and uh, at, at brain injury at birth, and and if you have a look at a scan of my brain, it just looks like two little bits of fairy floss um, up the top. Uh, and what that kind of resulted in is um, uh, for me being impaired in, in both legs. So um, the analogy I use is, uh, you know, your your average footballer will drive a, an automatic car. So if we're thinking about taking a goal kick or taking a free kick, for example. You know, you, you might think about where you want to put the ball, you know, where you want to kick the ball, and you can kind of just place it down and, and kick it and it will go to where it needs to go. Um, for me to, to take a goal kick or a free kick, uh, you know, I've got, I place the ball, um, you know, I've got to think about where to plant my foot, plant my foot, uh, and take three or four steps back. You know, I'll actually physically look at the underside of the ball about where I want to hit it uh, and, then, and then kick it that way. Um, and that's kind of the process that you have to go through for every single movement um, in the affected parts of your body. So, um, you know, another example for me was um, as a young bloke, I was really stubborn and, and wanted to, you know, use the manual car license example because I, I wanted to get a manual license because only losers get their automatic <laughs> license, right? Um, so, what, um, what's that look for, Robbie? No reason. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I guess yeah, wanting to be, wanting to keep up with my mates and, and not cop too much flack. Uh, it's a new generation, Robbie, so don't worry about it, mate. Um, but we'll be driving us soon anyway. We, we won't even need to <laughs> work drive. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was one of those ones where um, you know for me. You know, in the car, I could tell you within two months that in order to change the gears, you know, it's you know, foot down on the clutch, um, you know, move the gear stick, foot down the accelerator, and then foot off the clutch. Um, but to actually physically make my body do those movements um, with with my feet was, uh, you know, took took the better part of two years. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, what what CP is in, in a nutshell. Um, you know, f- physically, uh, my my stride length is a little bit shorter. Um, I fatigue a little bit quicker. Uh, and um, I walk like a bit like a wounded deer. 
Uh, so I hate paintball. Um, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I really hate paintball. I've only done it once, and I don't think I'll ever do it again. It's it's a shock. It's a, look. It's a terrible game because uh, I'm a fairly slow moving target. You know, I, I walk like a wounded animal, and I've got a bit of a tremor in my hand. So it's not like I can shoot you back either. Um, but uh, that's you know, I guess that's kind of CP in a nutshell. And and uh, that's been the wonderful thing about football. Really, is you know, being being uh, affected in both legs. You know, every training session, every game. You know, I'm directly challenging mm. the disability or the affected areas so um you know as i said it's it, it's like it's a physio session with a you know with some fun rolled in yeah so, it's got to yeah. be good for it. robbie being such a big part of the the wa paris program and you know all these young players coming through um where does your role come in as not just as a player but also to a mentor to, to these players coming through yeah uh, oh look um I just try and keep it as normal as possible. Um, you know, not try and be too um, too preachy about about anything. I mean, obviously, there's a role to play in sort of telling, you know, giving some advice and and um, and helping the young guys out when they come across challenges that they they might have. But um, look at the at the end of the day, you know, I just you can't be what you can't see. So you know, just try and make sure we have conversations about you know not only about football and and about different ways that they might overcome any physical challenge that they're having, like you know receiving a back pass, making sure they receive the pass on their back foot. Um, you know, and I'm still coaching kids that now. Yeah, right. Um, so all those sorts of things, and um, you know how they might do some like little balance exercises at home, or you know just kind of pushing through or whatever the case may be. But also just having normal conversations too about you know how you going at school. Um, you know what's work like you know um all, all those sorts of things so uh you know and i'm as proud as any of our guys uh you know not not all the guys that play come through our local program are going to play for australia and that's perfectly okay you know everyone's different um but i'm as proud of our guys when they you know when they get a job or you know when they um you know when they get a a, a girlfriend or you know they they um, rent a house or you know have any of those sort of personal life milestones as well you know make sure that we celebrate those because um that's at the end of the day that's you know one of the great things that football can do for us all yeah absolutely uh and now you touched on the the grading in in teams and how, how you were graded and assessed uh i'm sure it's very complicated so you, you don't need to dive into the whole nuts and bolts of it but but talk about say say the pararoos and and or yeah, different disability teams uh, and competitions. H how does that work? Obviously, the, the uh, disability is such a, a broad scope. And uh, Kalichi and I actually are both, um, well, former uh, support workers. Um, uh, one of us went off to chase the almighty dollar and um, and, and, and sold out. Uh, and, and one of the ones working in the community. And, and one of us just stuck to his roots and stayed with the community. We'll let you guess uh, which one's which. But um, yeah, tell, tell us a bit. It's something that, that fascinates me. We've obviously met a whole range of, we've both had dozens of clients with completely differing mobility issues, vision issues. Um, I think you said in the Paralympics, there's only vision impaired. Um, but so I guess uh, it's a really broad question I'm throwing at you, I know, yeah. but, but how does that all work? Yeah, so I guess there's a few few things to, to pick apart there. So I guess just first of all, first and foremost, to address the, the you know the Paralympics question. So look, there's multiple different types of disability football. There's um, football for athletes with vision impairment, um, fo football for athletes with cerebral palsy, acquired brain injury and stroke, which is the, the version that I play. Uh, there's power chair football, which is an amazing form of the game, which is for athletes with higher levels of physical impairment that use a, an electric wheelchair to, to get around. Um, there's This is so awesome, seeing mm. the, the amount of ways that football can be accessed everybody heaps, heaps and you know the intellectual disability football um you know and football in itself is it's the easiest game in the world to modify right like at the end of the day um you need you need two goals and a ball and everything else is negotiable uh you know i saw uh, facebook videos the other day of uh, skate football which is effectively athletes with um you know double double leg amputa uh, amputation that uh get around on skateboards and, and are using their hands to move the ball around you know it's, it's wow. incredible to watch um, but at, at the moment, uh, vision impaired football is, is the version of the game, which is represented at the, uh, at the Paralympic games, which is, which is awesome. Uh, CP football is trying to get back there. Uh, that's, that's our ultimate goal. Um, and one of the ways that we, we have had to get back there is by reviewing our classification system. So um, at the moment, uh, CP football has what they call a, a functional classification system. So Basically, you're graded from one to three, um, and athletes with a FT1 uh, have the highest level of uh, impairment 
as it relates to playing football. Uh, and then FT2 athletes are in the middle, and then your FT3 athletes are, um, are kind of your, your mild impairment. So you have like a quota that you can have in each team? Is that the, Essentially so that. You can have a certain number of FT1, FT2, FT3? Precisely. Yeah, yeah. precisely. So at, at the moment, it's you must have at least one FT1 on the, on the park at any one time, uh, and you can have a maximum maximum of one FT3. Uh, and I think the way the game is going, you know, they're, they're going to increase the, the number of FT1s that you're required to have on the park at any one time, uh, which I think is is a positive thing. Mostly because I'm an FT1, so I might extend my career a little bit. Selfish. Yeah, very much. Uh, but um, you know, I, but I think that's a good thing because uh, you know, there's there's a, um, a group of of members of our community that I think would really benefit from playing football, and, and the more opportunities they can see athletes like themselves on the park, um, you know, the, the easier it'll be for them to get involved. Uh, I just want to have a quick chat about the fact that there was a World Cup earlier this year, um, and you you went down there and. Um, gave it a bit of a go. I'm looking at this picture now and, and it's the national anthem and you can just see like the pride and passion in everyone's face. So mate, what's it like? I will never represent my country yet. Um, so what, what's it like representing your country, being on the world stage and, and getting the chance to like really express yourself? Oh, it's, it's everything, right? It's, you know, it's a key motivator really for getting out of bed, to be honest, uh, you know, a lot of days. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, I, as I said, we've talked a lot about the community um, and the great things that football can do. But you know, once once I cross the white line, you know, for Australia, I'm I'm there to take souls and crush dreams. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I will ruin your life um, if you're a striker. I mean, that's that's the sole ambition. But um, no, look, it, it it's it's absolutely huge, and um, you know, to be part of a it's a unique situation to be in because the Paroos we're very much, uh, I guess, amateur in terms of paycheck, but professional in terms of attitude. And you know, our goal is very much to be, you know, alongside the Paramatildas, who's our, you know, our women's team. Um, you know, is to be the third, the third national team. So you know, uh, uh, I was going to say Paroos, uh, Socceroos, Matildas, and Paroos, Paramatildas. We want to be side by side, and 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 uh, you know, so that the only way we do that is is by being as professional as possible. So. Um, you know, it's, it is, we are literally playing for sheep stations when we take the park, for sure. A little birdie told me that um, you were actually really, really nice in terms of not getting on the park as often as you should have at this World Cup because you were trying to be a mentor and help someone else out who was a younger goalkeeper coming through and that perhaps if you may had played in those games, um, you might have had a different result in the penalty shootout, for example. <laughs> yeah, look, um, it's nice to have friends, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, so look, we, we had, some, had some great games, so... Uh, for us, uh, we our first match was was against Iran, and um, you know Iran uh, probably one of the, you know top well they are one of the top three strongest nations in our version of the game. So um, we we lost that game two nil, um, had a chance to go one all, um, but that's the closest we've been to them in a, in a number of years. That's so amazing um, in Iran, uh, national service is compulsory, and for those athletes, you know rather than going into the military if they have a disability, they'll be channeled into a Paralympic sport. So it's basically their full time occupation. Um, and then that's st- interesting. Isn't it? So it's just like you got to do something for your country. If, yeah, that's right, <laughs> yeah. right. Like so, and and not you know not a bad way to go if you can if you can. But um, you know, our second game, as you say, was against the United States, and uh, with one of the rules with classification is that uh, if you're up for classification at that tournament, you have to play a minimum of half an hour. Um, so that gave us an opportunity to um, cycle through our um, our other two goalkeepers um, in uh, in Cosimo and uh, Cosimo Cirillo and, and Christian Sangus, and um, to give them their due, they're fantastic young goalkeepers you know they they really pushed me all the way to get the to get the number one spot and as you can tell by my receding hairline you know I'm I'm pretty friggin old um so <laughs> it's important to kind of give those young guys an opportunity to see what we can do so um you know my thing is very much I will give you and teach you as everything that I know and give you as much as I humanly possibly can but um you know at the end of the day you've got to take it from me and um you know they they put in a really good performance against the US it just wasn't uh wasn't quite enough to get us across the line so um yeah tough tough group stage but we um we managed to sort of build into the tournament okay after that all right so I mean like I said we're a football podcast but uh Something that Kalichi and I are both very uh, passionate about is uh, inclusion and inclusivity and, and stuff that you've worked on, I think, on the government level. So 
the reason I wanted to leave this at the end, I think everyone's a bit sick of politics after having elections and things, but um, this is a, a little bit different because what you're doing is is obviously um, being a, an ambassador for, for change and for inclusivity. Uh, I will be out tomorrow with a, a young guy who will, he'll kill me if I don't give him a shout out on the podcast because he's a radio man himself. Thanks for letting uh, the audience know which one of us is the community person and which one of us is Oh, yeah, you're supposed, I was supposed to. to well, tomorrow. Sorry, Thanks, mate. sorry, one of us is going to be out there tomorrow with a young boy by the name <laughs> of, uh, of Jack Sharp, who is just a wonderful uh, young guy. He's completely uh, wheelchair bound. So uh, I, when I take him out Tuesdays, Thursdays, I get to see and, and experience all of the barriers just to day-to-day life, which I can guarantee you 99% of the people listening to this podcast have absolutely no idea about and are completely... Um, yeah, just just absolutely no idea. I'm completely unaware that things like finding a toilet uh, and how many times I'll go to find a, a disabled toilet and the out of order signs up there, and you go down to the other one and and the, there might be another out of order sign, or you've just had to walk to the other side of the shopping mall. And I can tell you the frequency of that out of order sign in the disability toilets compared to the regular toilets is probably a hundred to one. We have a, a, an elevator that he goes up to go to the gym when we take him to the gym. If that's out of service, he can't go to the gym. And it's been out of service a couple of times. His mum's told me it's been uh, several times and it can take a day to get it fixed. And it doesn't seem a priority. Or even things as simple as stairs. Yeah, a- absolutely. And and yeah, that, that sort of access, pe- people just don't realise how difficult it can be um, for someone with, with any degree of disability uh, is is that been your role? That that's sort of what you're working with and working towards. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've been working in community development, um, you know, both in the non for profit sector and and in the government sector for you know the better part of 10, 10 years now. And you know, some of the things you touched on there around access inclusion, um, you know, are exactly right. You know, but I think one of the things that we're starting to realise now is that access and inclusion, um, you know, it goes beyond, you know, bricks and mortar. So absolutely, you know, we want to focus on, on you know, getting physical access to buildings and those sorts of things sorted out because that's that's bread and butter. You know, that should just be part of the course. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the reality is that, that a number of the, the facilities that we have at the moment just um, aren't up to standard. And, um, you know, without having that lived experience that, um, that, that the young fellow that you've got um, has you know he'll be able to tell you whether a building's up to code or whether it's not by the whether he can can get in right so mm. uh, you know I think one of the one of the easiest things that we can do about to find out whether, about whether something is up to scratch or accessible and inclusive is actually just to ask you know people with disability or people mm. with a lived experience from the different different backgrounds because you know? it's not just a case of do you have a toilet for people with disabilities because I can tell you I don't want to name and shame anyone or any shopping centers a small shopping center we went to because Jack loves his sushi so we just go around and try <laughs> different sushi spots for lunch um, and and I went out the back. I said, "Just, just wait here. I'll go and see if there is a toilet because he needs a couple of rails and in the right places." And and found the toilet. And the good news was all the rails were were there, so he could use it. The bad news was it was almost like a Tomb Raider, uh, Lara Croft style effort for me to get there with boxes and crates. And it was out. You had to go out the back door through that. Mm. No way he could get his wheelchair through there. So it just <laughs> just a ridiculous place. So so I guess they can tick a box and say, "Hey, we've got a toilet for people with disabilities." Yeah, but they they don't. Uh, and yeah, so yeah. again, just another thing that, that people would have no idea about. And I, and I think it's look, it's just one of those things about opening up conversations, right? And just making people making people aware of it. And um, you know, even even at the the uh, IFCPF World Cup, you know, recently in Spain, you know, the the change rooms were 50 meters away from the playing pitch, and we had to walk up a flight of stairs. You know, which <laughs> for for a group of guys with mobility disabilities, you know, in the middle of the hardest game of their lives, it's not exactly what you want, but. Um, you know, so that I makes guess. the halftime tig talk so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you how do you plan again? Yeah, you, you get into the change rooms like, well, time to head out back yeah, out. Books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, our goalkeeping coach is not in the best of shape either, so he was pretty gassed. This <laughs> um, made it easy for me, but um, yeah, look, I think you know one of the things that we talk about with access and inclusion, you know, we come back to, uh, and particularly for football clubs as well. If you have an opportunity to jump on Google, um, just search the seven pillars of inclusion. You know, it talks about choice, um, which is essentially, you know, meeting with people with, with disability or, or meeting with any member of the community, actually, that might be coming from a diverse background and, and having a chat with them about, you know, well, what is it that they want to achieve and, and, and be, get out of being part of your club? And, 
you know, and we'll certainly talk about access, but, you know, when we're talking about access, it's not just the physical access to the building. It's, it's having to think about, you know, what are your communications like? Um, you know, one of the really common things that you'll see in, um, in some of the promotions around disability sport is telling people to get out of their comfort zone. Um, but the reality is if you've just woken up in hospital after having a pretty serious injury, you'll, you'll probably find that you're already pretty far out of your comfort zone. Um, so we need to sort of, you know, think about our language and all that sort of gear. But yeah, if, uh, that would be the one bit of advice I'd, I'd give to anyone really is just, just jump on board, particularly for football clubs. Um, have a look at the seven pillars of inclusion and, and uh, really just start to have a think about, you know, what is it that we as a club can do to, to support more members of the community, part of, of what we do. And, um, you know, it's not as if I'm going to turn up to, uh, to Florida Athena tomorrow and, and demand a spot you know, on the MPL team, because at the end of the day, a high-performance squad, you know, is still allowed to be a high-performance squad. That's okay. Yeah, Jason Sodaris isn't too bad, is he? He goes... <laughs> Maybe you will give me a Gans. I'm not sure. It'd be a fair promotion from fourth division amateurs, wouldn't it? Um, but, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, that conversation would just kind of be about, well, what is it that you want to do at our club and, you know, how, what support do you need? And, and if we're not the right spot, if, if we don't quite offer the program that we... That, that you're after, you know, well, let's, let's support you to, to make that, that uh, transition or that referral to a program that works. I was, uh, well, as, as a corporate sellout, I, um, I did have you come and speak at Hayes a couple of years ago. Um, and you, you left a really good impression. And you, you, there was one thing that you said that our director actually took on board. And that was um, not letting the great get in the way of the good. Um, before we go, can you just give us an idea of, of what that means or just, just kind of wrap that up for, for people who might be listening with some good intentions, but previously may have let the great get in the way of the good. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think uh, you know my experience at the Blues is is a perfect example of that. Um, you know, I, I first came down the Blues in in two thousand and thirteen, uh, and the reason I joined the Blues, to be honest, is I was living in a share house in Yokine, uh, and um, hadn't had a hadn't had a great experience with my first introduction to kind of Sunday league football. And I mean, that, that was not a reflection on the club. I, I just wasn't, um, I guess, at the level to be able to advocate for myself either. Um, but uh, the reason I joined was because they were literally two-minute walk away and I thought well if I don't get a game at least it's a short walk home you know um <laughs> but um yeah just just had a uh, started training with the group and, and got a call from the phone uh, from the president he said look reality is you know we've got a couple of goalkeepers in front of you and you, you know you might get a lot of games but just wanted to have a bit more of a chat about what you're trying to achieve and you know would you be happy to come down and train with us a couple of times a week and if a spot opens up then we're happy to play you and 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 you know and stick by you and um, and that was it. That was it. Like that was the only opportunity that I needed was just to come down and, and be part of the club and you know participate in drills and all that sort of thing. And um, lost the community. And it was yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was just nice and simple. And you know, and then later that year, I, I uh, um, represented Australia, and um, you know, the club was good enough to ask my jersey. It you know, still hangs up in the club rooms today. Um, and just really simple gesture to say, you know, you're part of the club, and 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 you know. Yep, you're going to stuff up and you're going to make a couple of mistakes, but you know, so is everybody else. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's Sunday league football. So, it's, it's I'm sorry, but I've okay. seen you down a play, and they ain't, they ain't the best team of all time. <laughs> oh, I'll fight you. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, just simple things like that. You know, uh, it goes a long, long way. And I think the big thing, you know, with with inclusion is, I think we're at a point now in the conversation where clubs and coaches and that sort of thing are really keen to do the right thing and really want to include people with disability and people from diverse backgrounds, but might be a little bit nervous about saying or doing the wrong thing or pushing the athlete too hard. Um, and that's completely understandable. Uh, but I think it just starts with that, that conversation about going, what is it that you want to achieve? Where are you now? And, and what support can we offer to get you there? And at the end of the day, you're going to get um, a really loyal club member. So, um, yeah. Well, Chris, I could stay here talking with you for hours because I find all this uh, fascinating. It's something uh, I know Kalich and I are very, very passionate about and uh, it's it's you speak so well about it and uh, hopefully you'll go on to do uh, more great things and we'll continue to try and uh, chip away in, in whatever ways we can. But thank you. Well, before you go, there's a question that we do ask everybody um, who's turned up here. That's right. Hunger Games or Twilight? <laughs> Uh, Harry Potter. Oh, very good. So this seems like a man who listens to the podcast. Wow, yeah. oh, okay. Um, and then who's your toughest competitor that you've ever come across? And it's and why is it not um, David Cantoni? Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, David Cantoni is is an incredibly tough competitor and just swings a ball in an unnatural way. It's such an unnatural uh, way. It's so unnatural. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's unhealthy. Um, but, yeah, no, look, Antonio's a, a tremendous competitor. But, but to be honest, when you move like I do, really anyone that's taken a shot, you know. <laughs> stand a chance. As long as I can get there, I'm happy with it. So uh, every, every Sunday is a new challenge. 
Well, Chris, thank you again so much for coming in. Uh, we'll continue to be in touch, and it's it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Cheers, fellas. Thank you. We'll be back with all the local action uh, after a short break. And before we get on with the podcast, a quick shout-out to our wonderful uh, sponsors here at the Hush Connective. It's where we do all our work. Uh, send a message to the Hush Connective on Facebook if you've got a story to tell, if you want to get into a podcast booth. Robbie uh, is extremely helpful, always uh, ready to jump on the phone and get you through any technical difficulties as well. But the setup is so, so, so simple. So if you do want to record a podcast, this is the place to do it, Hush Connective. 484 Albany Highway in the Mind Body Lounge, another one of our wonderful sponsors. Uh, if you want to win a treatment for the Mind Body Lounge, they've got so much stuff here. They've got little uh, uh, meditation booths and cryotherapy chambers and massage chairs. Uh, all you need to do there is uh, just share anything that uh, the Perth Football Podcast do this week on Facebook uh, and we'll uh, get in touch with you for a free treatment of your choice and we'll tell you all about that if you are the winner. Uh, back with more after this. And welcome back. That was uh, an absolute pleasure, wasn't it, having Chris in. Uh, in- incredible man and an incredible athlete as well to boot. Um, we now turn our attention to the local stuff. We have the same uh, uh, core lineup, uh, Kalichi, uh, Robbie and I, but we're also joined in the booth by Josh Chiat. Josh, welcome back. Released back off the bench. Yeah, well, there was a bit of a COVID concern that he wasn't going to be able to make it, but last day was uh, yesterday, was it? You were released back into the the public? Yeah, I've cleared the podcast health and safety protocol, so I'm back in the booth today. Okay, excellent. And we also are joined on the line by... Speaking of incredible men and incredible athletes. Exactly. Well, well, they call him uh, Mr. Football. They call him Tommy D, the big D. He's got tons of of different nicknames that... that Vitamin D. Around. Tommy, the, the big D. Vitamin D, I like that one. That's good. Tommy Dolman, welcome back. I'm not touching any of those. What's <laughs> happening here, crew? Tommy, Tommy D is not touching the big Ds. We will carry on and jump straight into uh, the NPL and NPLW action over the weekend. The men's uh, had a big shake-up in that top four. Uh, we'll start at the top. Uh, in terms of at least what the table uh, read before the weekend, because Sterling no longer uh, league leaders, uh, but due to the fact they could not put a goal past Armadale, Kalicha, you uh, popped in for the for the end of this one. Big talking point: a red card uh, to the oh, what was the guy's name Costello. again? I said it was Kevin Ashwood because I got the sixteen and eighteen mixed up from a distance uh, due to my poor eyesight. It was Nathan Costello, number sixteen. You guys have all seen the incident now. We're just going to go around uh, the table and uh, ask opinions. Robbie, red card? I think it was enough definitely to be a red card um, after watching it a few times. But if you're the referee on the pitch, I still think they've, um, they've made the correct decision. Okay, so with VAR, you would, have, you would have gone with the referee's on-field decision? I think Michael Donfey has been very smart and he's gave the referee a decision to make. Uh, Tommy, you saw it? Yeah, I did. Completely agree with Robbie. I think wow. if that challenge doesn't happen, I think Michael probably runs it and gets a shot. So oh, there you on, go. On Validation. Target. Robbie, you are correct. Tommy Dolman says so. Uh, Kalicha, your thoughts? I think it's the opposite. I think Dom Faye's taken a touch, realised he's not going to get it, and then was just like, oh, I've been nicked. I'm going to go down here. I, I agree to an extent, but when, when we watched it back, Robbie and I before, and, and just imagine, pretend the defender's not there and doesn't fall. It's... The thing about the challenge is, and I actually think uh, Kevin Ashwood and John O'Reilly, we both spoke to after the game, you can see their interviews on the Perth Football Podcast uh, Facebook page, they both spoke very well about it. I was sort of, you know, as an interviewer, you're kind of hoping for them to say it's absolute disgrace, we've been robbed, blah, blah, blah. And they they both went with uh, the, um, oh no, you're getting a call from the old man, Kalichi. <laughs> Look, that's just, this is what happens when you're, when you're live, mate. The, the worst thing is that you had to mention it. And now when he talks to me later on and, and he listens to the podcast, he's like, why would you in- ignore my call? I could have just had plausible deniability, but now I don't. Thanks, Sean. Well, what, well surely this is a reason why you didn't answer the call. This is, this is a perfect alibi. Anyway, uh, but both, of, uh, both uh, Kevin and John spoke, spoke very well about it and both sort of said, look, it's a, maybe a little bit harsh, but... Dump has sort of gone looking for it. You're told to step across the defender was, was what John said. And there was a bit of contact there. What, what I will say is I think the, the initial, uh, the contact, where the actual foul is, is when he first falls down and sort of the arm goes across the top of the thigh. 
he doesn't go down initially. He takes that extra step, which is where the question comes that's, in. Was it enough to bring him down? And and at, and at that point, that's where I think like Constello is, is hard done by because he's like he's flat on his face at that point. And there's a discussion about whether you win a free kick or whether you concede a free kick. And I don't feel like Costello has conceded a free kick there. I think he's been clumsy and fallen over. And I think Domfe's been really smart and won the free kick. And you'll see it in penalty, penalties all the time where, where an attacker is really, really smart and really clever. And the defender's like done almost little to nothing and, can, and, and, the, and the attacker's won the free kick. So I think, I think that's what Domfe's done there. I actually understand. Like, I kind of agree with that point of view as well. Absolutely. Um, oh. and, whoa, 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 you can't sit on the fence. We already have one no, fence. Well, I, I, I agree that it's a red card because um, Dom Faiz gave the referee the decision to make, but I think he's yeah. been smart because and he probably wasn't getting to the ball. So as a striker does, he's, he's went to ground after feeling contact. I think I think that's the consensus. If, if he doesn't stumble and just get that bit of contact on him first, he runs onto the ball and possibly has a chance. He gets that little bit of contact, which slows him down enough that he's not going to get the ball. Not enough contact to bring him down, but he goes down because otherwise the referee is not going to give him a decision. So, yeah, very harsh on Costello. Uh, probably the right decision. I think that's the consensus across the board, even though uh, Kalichi's slightly leaning more towards the, um, the Michael Defend- Dunphase. Defenders chief. union here, buddy. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, but that wasn't the end of the game. Uh, obviously, uh, Sterling then played a, a good chunk of the game with, with the man advantage, and Armadale defended superbly. They uh, really... Uh, dogged defence and if anyone looked like scoring more it was probably Armadale on the break they had a, uh, a couple of big chances um, Jacko Peter was, was sensational as a, oh, as a lone striker he, yeah, he, and for he, a man who's 19 years old superb yeah is he 19 what a player he is um, yeah fantastic uh, effort for Armadale that continues their good run of form John O'Reilly spoke afterwards as well about that looming semi-final and basically said every game's a Every game's now a training session for that semi-final. So they, they, they will find themselves in mid-table by the end of the year. They're not going to go down like some idiots predicted at the start of the season, um, uh, but probably would be asking a bit too much for them to push, for, obviously, for a title or, or maybe even top four. But as John said, semi-final is not something that a lot of footballers play in. So it's, it's, it's very exciting times to be armed out. They're playing very well. Were you, were you one of those idiots, Sean? Uh, played the fifth. Do we have that in this country? I'll see if I can queue up the audio and, uh, and, and back this up. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, give them a little bit more love because, like we mentioned in, in, in one of the interviews, it's, I think it's now one defeat in ten yep. um, for Armadale, and that's including the cup games as well. So they're going through a really good patch of form. Some of the young players that they've got there are, are, are absolutely starting to show their, their piece. Um, you mentioned Kev Ashwood, who's, who's come back and been an absolute stalwart in that defence. Um, he's brought a vocal presence that's been there um, and, and a very positive presence as well. Like we've, we've spoken to him. I've had him um, as a referee on Fiverside a couple of times and just a nice guy. And you can, you can imagine for those young players who are there having a big center half who's actually trying to build you up and not, and not knock you down when you make mistakes. Um, you can absolutely see the impact that it's had as well. And what Armadale do have is they've got goal scorers um, um, in, in that team. So, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them to to finish in the top four. That's a big shout, but I wouldn't put it. I I put them to be one of the teams there. If you beat Armad, I think Armadale might be the new Mendoza line. Where if you beat Armadale, you're a good team, and if you don't beat Armadale, uh, maybe you're not a good team. Well, can I can, can I can I add, can I just add quickly as well? Sorry to interject, but I I just think Abdul Abdul Osman has been brilliant as well super. in the last few games. Uh, in particular, I know they've been backing up. The midweek to weekend to midweek to uh, weekend schedule, given the uh, the yeah. cup game and obviously the catch up games as well. So I think that has to be. I think it was a, his free um, kick factor that, as well. But Osman has been brilliant. I think it was his that free kick that, that actually came closest to to getting it. The um, rattled off the off the crossbar, uh, as you said, uh, Jakobs. Again, I'm not a hundred percent sure on, on Peter Jakobs' uh, pronunciation. I think that's right, but um, we'll yeah, we'll figure that out. I don't like getting people's names wrong. Uh, Kelo Sanwa. Um, but yeah, the and, and the, he he uh, also went very close and, and produced a really good uh, near post save from uh, from James Bosdet, who, who didn't have a lot to do, but yeah, it came up big there for Sterling. Maybe the point's going to be big in in the long run, but. Yeah, there's just some signs of the wheels starting to come off there at Sterling. We'll head uh, down to one of the other top four games or one of the other games involving top four teams that you were at, Tommy. That was Bayswater City and Perth Glory. And I had the live score up and it looked like for a second, Glory were going to pinch something. They got back level and I think it was almost 30 seconds later, uh, Bayswater went back ahead. Just give us a quick rundown of that game. 
Yeah, this was actually one of the better games I've seen this season. I thought Bayswater were the better team in the first half. They fully deserved their lead when they got it through Dubba Makeche. Um, and then, as I've sort of discussed on previous podcasts, I think Glory Loom is a bit of a threat in the second half of the season with the likes of Adam Zimmerino um, and Joshua Nazmo coming back from A-League men's duties. And they certainly showed that little bit of a spark in the second half. I thought they were the better team after the restart and they fully got deserved their equaliser when Zimmerino found the bottom corner. Um, but... They, uh, Bayswater got a penalty uh, pretty soon afterwards um, and it was a bit of a controversial one because um, it was one of those ones where the penalty was given and then the ball was put into the back of the net. Mm. Um, the, 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 the goal was disallowed. The penalty was brought back. It didn't really matter because McKechae scored it and then they went 3-1 up. But Glory showed plenty of spirit in that second half. They got it back to 3-2 and then there was a brilliant Costa Spider free kick to, yeah, we just to wrap watched up that the game the and make pod. it 4-2. So. Stunning. He's quite good uh, on those yeah. dead balls, isn't he? Becoming a bit of a, I think you said, becoming a bit of a dead ball specialist. He is, yeah. He got, he got one earlier in the season against Sorrento at Persidor Reserve as well. And, and he scored one last season as well. It might have been against Rockingham from memory. So, yeah, he's really good on those free kick situations. And look, Bayswater have got plenty of class. We've spoken about that front three on previous podcasts with McKechae Steins and, and with Gordon Smith as well. And with Costa Sparta sort of milling in behind in that number 10 position, drifting into the channel, um, they're definitely a team who could, who could be a real threat. Um, it wasn't probably their best performance of the season. I thought the Glory were pretty good in the second half, but it's hard to really argue that Bayswater weren't worthy of the points. And yeah, one point separates the top four teams in the league. This this title race, Robbie. If I'm right giving, from doesn't it? If I'm right from memory, um, Tommy. Um, didn't you predict Bayswater? Someone else's was, dad's calling. Sorry, it was, was mum actually. <laughs> Kalichi, didn't you actually predict Bayswater as um, the team that you thought were going to win the league and everyone went, mm. uh, uh, He did. He also, he also picked Daryl Nickel to win the Golden Boot, which is uh, looking as big a shoe-in, I think, as, as we've ever seen. We'll, we'll spin on with the other results. We're going to get on to the women's as well. Red Star, uh, I think, expected to beat Gwellup, did so comfortably. I didn't catch that game. Um, Daryl Nickel on the double. Daryl Nickel, uh, yeah, another couple there. Um, my pick for uh, Golden Boot, I thought back at his old club, Floriot uh, Petkov was going to uh, hit the ground running. Hasn't quite found the scoring boots for a few different reasons so far, but oh, he got on the score sheet. Played. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, got on the score sheet uh, on the weekend uh, in the Floriot 3-1 win over Perth. Can the, we talk about that game? We are really going to talk about that game really quickly because you talked about controversy before, uh, Tommy, this, I think, probably the most controversial call of the weekend. Uh, I will describe it how I saw it, and then I'll throw it to you, Josh, because I know you've got views on this. Uh, the ball uh, came out. I can't remember who put the cross in, but uh, Hassani Sinclair was about five yards offside when the, when the the ball's played in the box. He stood there, arms up, doing nothing. Defenders come across, made an absolute hash of the clearance. Uh, the ball's ricocheted around, um, ended up coming across, for a, a shot that was saved or parried across to Sinclair, who was three yards onside from the follow-up effort, and then the flag goes up. I think it's a horrendous call. Uh, Josh, what did you think? Well, I just I don't know when the flag went up because I don't think we can see the linesman. I don't on think the it matters. Are you, do you think the fir- it's a, it's an offside for the first? In- I think I think there's an argument that it's that it's an offside for the first one because he's sort of stand. He's like hovering behind the buddy, buddy, buddy. He stands still. Man, whether whether the defender hashes the clearance or not, he's not making that clearance unless the strikers. I think he absolutely is. Uh, he's he's honestly, he's, man. He, like the, Hassani is 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 standing between the two centre halves, literally stood still, almost in Christ-like pose. And the centre half comes up, and he headers that ball away, and it's a half clearance. He does the high part, but not the high and the wide part, and it comes back in. And I think, I think from a Perth perspective, you've got to really feel hard done by that because you're playing up against Floriat. This team is challenging for the title. You've had you've had a few hard yards throughout the entire season, and there it is. There's a chance to now go two one up in the 70, 75th minute. Two, if you take that lead, and now you're playing Sterling at home the next week. All of a sudden, you're going into that game with a bit more of a bounce. And and at the halfway mark of the season, you look at their team right now, and they've got the best defense in the league. And yep. so you're, you're looking at that situation, going, guys, second half of the season, we can push push things back up. Now again. Championship teams take that call, ride that call out, and go and win the game. Sure, but it feels like it's one of those big gut punches in the season, full of gut punches. There, for there, there is no, 
they were still Sorry, pushing. Josh. They were still pushing as well after after that decision was made. Went right couple, to the very end. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they had a couple half chances right before yeah. they conceded a. Um, uh, basically, Florey got through on, on a on a on a breakaway. They three on one at yeah. the back. Federico Achille, I think. Oh yes, yeah. Quite lucky not to get a red card for what looked like a, a tackle where he was denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity. You, you are the dogzo man. You, the dogzo, you love a yeah, I love a dogzo. Yeah. <laughs> love uh, Wolf, but 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 it didn't matter because uh, uh, Lat Matiang, who actually I, I believe this is his first MPL goal. He actually, the young man, actually started the season at Perth. Stepped oh, up wow. after just coming off the bench, took the free kick over all of the uh, older, experienced heads oh, you on love the it. pitch, and uh, nestled it into the bottom corner. Maybe a couple question marks on the goalkeeping, on the goal as well, but uh, that made it two-one. And then uh, Robbie Petkov came off the bench right at the end with uh, a sealer, three-one sealer. Well, we will uh, quickly rush through the scores. If you want to have a look at that little offside incident, let us know what you think. Uh, get in touch with the Perth Football Podcast. 75 minutes in, I think it was. 75 minutes, um, 46 seconds. And, and there is no right or wrong on this one. I said in our, our group well, chat. I think it's interpretation. I, absolutely. I, I, I think your interpretation is wrong. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but no, as I said in the group <laughs> chat, there was, uh, if, if, if anyone remembers, Liverpool fans probably will, uh, there was a, a goal that Harry Kane was about a couple of yards offside a few years ago. Um, back in the day on Lovren days and and a pass came through to him he was clearly clearly offside and and Lovren reached out stretched full full length to try and get there to stop the ball getting to Kane got a stud on it and then I was seeing Premier League referees what who's that Gallagher the Cal- Gallagher guy that they they're refereeing expert I say in in Dermot Gallagher. Gallagher. Gallagher yeah he was saying that because Lovren, I think it was him. I may be getting the person wrong, but he was saying that because he got a stud on the ball, he the made defender an has play intentionally it. played yeah. the ball. But Kane's offside by three yards when they pass the ball Look. to him, and, he, and that is an example of not, the defender definitely wouldn't have made that challenge. But... Look, 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 what I will say is I was looking for a reason why it may have been offside, because if it was given for the oh, incident yeah. right before the goal, yeah. that is... I, that, that, you know, there's no way that was offside. I, he, he must yeah. have been... He was still offside... As the ball came off the goalkeeper's yeah. glove. Oh, you have to. You Still have onside to. as the ball came off the goalkeeper's glove. You have to hope it was an interpretation thing on that maybe, one. Maybe the Floriat curse is lifting, Sean. Uh, perhaps. Maybe. Maybe the, the tide is turning. Uh, the other scores in the league, Inglewood United getting up over Balcata 2-1 and Sorrento uh, doing the business up uh, in the uh, the windy part of the city. Some quality uh, goals there. Four goals oh. to two. Yeah, go oh, and check header. those out again oh. on uh, NPL.tv. Don't have too much time to whiz through those because we've got to get on to the NPL WWA. Uh, Tommy, you were at a pretty entertaining game on uh, the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a big game in terms of Perth and, and Fremantle, second, uh, third versus second. and All that's yeah, left to I play for that, in that league, really, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think Perth came out of that game as the closest contender to Red Star, really. I thought Pete Rakic, uh, this team, were really good that afternoon. They were convincing. I think Fremantle, I've seen them a few times this season. That was probably the worst I've seen them play. They, it wasn't their best game. Um, they did have their chances in the first half, but Perth were really controlled. And, yeah, that's an eighth eight, an eighth clean sheet in 10 games for Perth this season. Tied, and, tied with Red Star for the best defensive record in the league. Yeah, and and I thought Alyssa Van Huerk in, in particular was magnificent at the back all afternoon. She was really good. Zoe Spadano was great in midfield. Um, and Jamie Duncanson is just the consistent figure that she's been all year again. So a lot to like about Perth. And I think that they're, whilst the margin, I, I think this weekend, we've touched on the top of the table clash between Perth and Red Star at Dorian Gardens this weekend. That's going to be a little bit of an acid test, I think, because I think Peter Rackage's side are developing a bit of a game plan with that defensive sort of, controlling style of football, which could possibly pose Red Star a problem in a top four game or in a one-off match, maybe in a cup game later in the year. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that game pans out this week and to see whether um, Perth can maybe upset the apple cart as the season rolls on. Um, they've not actually played Red Star in the league this season because of a yeah, uh, COVID, COVID postponement yeah. earlier on the year. So, yeah, keep an eye on that one this weekend, everyone. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what sort of unfolds after that. But Perth have definitely come out of that with a lot of credits for me. Joshua? Um, a controlled performance. And and the games that Perth have lost, I think they've uh... – Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they've both been against Hyundai NTC. So that's and, – yeah. and Hyundai NTC actually haven't picked up that many points. So uh, I guess Perth have um, – Perth, Perth maybe have a, have a bit of a poor matchup there against Hyundai NTC, but – 
when it has come up to when it, when it has come to them playing against the other teams that are challenging for the, those top four positions, they've really come out of each of those challenges with a plum. So it will be really interesting mm-hmm. to see how they match up with Perth Red Star. Perth Red Star, at least on the scoreline, not as dominant uh, this week as well against Subiaco and uh, you know Frio were able to get one past them in the game last week uh, and and two past them the previous time they played them. So. There's definitely going to be opportunities there for Perth if they're on the top of their game. Yeah, and um, yeah, to, to your point, Josh, NTC are actually the only team to score against Perth this season full stop. All, all five of the goals that Perth have scored have been to NTC, so let alone the two defeats. So, yeah, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty interesting uh, perception of the league. Uh, Fremantle's only two defeats previous to the weekend were against Red Star, so a little bit of a quirk in the schedule. Um, but yeah, to, to, uh, again, you touched on it before as well. Red Star obviously only winning by one goal to nil at the weekend. An improved defensive effort from Subiaco, yeah, that, given they lost the corresponding fixture 9 nil earlier in the season. That really jumps out, doesn't it, that they, they managed to keep them to one. Uh, yeah, very, very, very impressive performance. So uh, to, to wrap up the other scores, Kalichi just uh, took them all away from me. Um, but yeah, Murdoch uh, winning 5-1 against Curtin. You said the 3-0 Perth over Fremantle. Uh, Balcata the same score over NTC and that 1-0 for the Red Star. I don't know what you guys think. It, it, is it unfair on Red Star? I, I, I mentioned a, a few times that I find the league, it's hard to get interested in the league when a team's running away with it by as much as they are. But I also feel like perhaps I'm being a little bit unfair on, on this Red Star team who are full of, of wonderful footballers. Whereas last year you had a, a real two-horse race right down to the last game of the season. Fantastic Murdoch uh, University Melville side, a fantastic uh, Redback side. And so you really felt like, wow, this Murdoch team's amazing. Uh, and, and what a great team to, to fight to the final day, win almost all their games. And, and I'm probably not giving this Perth Red Star side that same credit. I don't know. What are your guys' views? Look, it's never that exciting, I think, if a team is running away with it. If they do manage to beat Perth this weekend, though then I think the excitement becomes about, you know, can they go through, can they win every game? Yeah, not even just... Not even just going unbeaten. Can they win every game? Because that would be a stellar achievement. I think Floriot may have done something similar in the men's about 15 years ago, but it's really rare, even at this level of football, to have a team that goes through and does something like that. So if they are able to, to make that achievement, you know, you can hold that team up and say, you know, this is just like, you know, Arsenal's Invincibles from 03, 04, or uh, the first... Chelsea title. People still talk about them, do they? Yeah. Oh, well, people do still talk. No, about you, 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 no you're right. But, on but, there. but that's, but that's, you know, that's, you know, you can hold that Red Star team up and say, this is, this is the, the yardstick of the competition, not just in one season, but you know, for for history in WA football. Look, and um, if you get a chance, go watch the interview that we did with. Oh, Sean Villam was it? I know you. Go have a chance and look at the video that we did with Shawnee Billam, where she she talks about the fact that the players themselves are almost chasing ghosts. They're, they're looking at this going, teams are going to come up against us and want to be the first team that knock us off. And we don't yeah. want that to happen. We don't want to drop points. And, and to your point, Josh, like every good team are talked about and measured up to who their contemporaries are. And so like, if you don't have any contemporaries, you then have to go, you know what? We're the greatest of all time. Um, and, yeah. and, and that's basically what they're trying to do here. They're trying to go throughout the season. And it's, and it's really cool that they're actually embracing that and saying, we don't want to drop points this year. Um, it'll be cool to see, um, especially, look, if, if, if there's a team who's going to be that dominant, I'd like you to completely smash everybody rather than just smash <laughs> a couple people and like lose on the last day. Yeah. Or, or, or you build up to that game, you know, two weeks out from the season, three weeks out from the season, top four cup final. Can a team roll the team that's won every single game that yeah. year? You know, Tommy, Tommy, there's a long, there's a long way to go. There's a long way to go. So we're not saying yeah. it's happening yet, but it it builds the storyline. The more they win, the more they don't lose. It, it builds that storyline up more and more. Tommy, we need to uh, move on and get. To- Robbie's itching to talk about some state league before we wrap up and go home. It's been a long uh, podcast. Obviously, reserved most of it for that um interview with with Chris in in the first half. But yeah, your final thoughts on on that, Tommy. Yeah, I mean, I think the guys kind of touched on it. Um, I think we, I think we forget the Red Star as Redbacks back then. Only lost two games last season, and they were so good last year. And and don't underestimate the the hurt that they sort of had by not getting over the line last season in that in that final game. Uh, they won silverware in 2020, uh, having just scraped into the finals. And last year they came up kind of empty, having missed out on the top four and 
in the league. So I think there's a real burning desire, as the guys have touched on, that they do need to sort of keep that intensity up and keep going. Um, and just to address one other result, Balcata obviously winning 3-0 against Hyundai NTC. That actually moves them into the top four. Um, so whilst the top of the t- table might be one and done, uh, it's, there's a one-point gap between fourth, fifth, and sixth, and there's yeah. something to sort of keep an eye on in that respect Yeah, a cu- well. couple, couple of banging goals c- there as well in that game. Certainly the most in- exciting uh, part of the league, apart from the potential uh, Invincibles uh, run. And so before we uh, head off, Robbie, the State League expert, we're going to dive into that. But before we do, everyone's favourite segment. We've already talked about the red card in Sterling, but there are a bunch of other red cards around the leagues. You mentioned Paul Zimmerino could be big for uh, the glory after coming back uh, from his A-League responsibilities. Tommy, bit naughty at the end there. Adam. Adam. Adam Zimmerino. Sorry, Wrong, wrong, wrong Zimmerino. <laughs> yeah, they look identical as There's well. There's only 12 of them. You can only tell them apart by the haircut. Uh, yes, Adam, what happened, Tom? Well, it looked like descent. That, that was the only thing that I could I could see that happened at the time. It all happened very quickly, and it was very late in the game. It was about the 96 minutes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I've not gone back and checked the, the match feed. I certainly don't remember him getting a yellow card earlier in the game. No, so no, I, I only imagine yeah, that I, was a straight red for Descent. I watched it, I back. I watched it back, and it definitely looked like so. Descent is not just a... Uh, uh, flight simulator that I used to play on the computer back in the 90s. Uh, it is uh, a red cardable offence by the looks of things. He definitely walked up to him straight red. Uh, kind of gave that, I don't know what you're booking me for look, but I, I think he probably knew. Uh, yeah, de- definitely seemed to. De- obviously can't comment. We didn't hear it, but, um, well, we can't comment. We are anyway. Naughty boy. Uh, any No red cards in the, in the women's, I don't think, that we saw over the weekend. Uh, other red cards nope. in the men. You said Frederico Achille was well, lucky. Should have, should have. That, that was a red card. Y- yep, yep. Okay. That, what should have been. Well, it wasn't um, given as a red card, but, you know, if, you, if you're doing your naughty boy tallies, no, then... Ab- uh, absolutely. Uh, and add it in there. So, so a little light on the naughty boys in the MPL this week. So what are we going to talk about, Kalichi? Can you find any across the leagues? Step up the Sunday leagues. East Perth, Maddington, take it away. All right. So last <laughs> in a catch-up game that happened on Wednesday last week, East Perth played Maddington. Now, allegedly, uh, they played a preseason friendly, and the preseason friendly was abandoned with twenty minutes to go. Friendly in inverted commas. I heard it was a heated game. Yes, <laughs> and so they had their first run-up. Um, and let me just read out the the, the information for you. Uh, Toland scores a penalty in the eightieth minute, and Jose Zaniga scores a, a a goal in the 90th minute plus nine minutes injury time. Why do they have nine minutes injury time? Because there are four red cards in what, the game. Is, is Sergio Ramos so uh, such a naughty boy he's actually getting sent off in the Sunday leagues as well? Because that's what it says on 19 minutes there. On that the is Samir Ramos. If you, Samir, yeah. if you get a chance, go back and look through the East Perth Instagram <laughs> feed and you will see a two-footed tackle that I would be ashamed of. Well, and that's saying something. And it gets sent off in the 19th minute. And then in the 60th minute, three players get sent off. Two from Maddington, one (laughs) from East Perth. Some some sort of melee situations uh, arisen, obviously. So for the last 30 minutes, Maddington are played with eight. And you can only get one so, more. So this, can't is, you? so this is a cup game, right? This, this is, is a, a cup this game. Is a cup, not, not a makeup. This game. is a cup game. game. Yeah. They equalize. In the nineties, in the in the ninth minute of injury time, go on to penalties and win four two. <laughs> yeah, you, you can then, also you let can me al- finish this. No, no, this no you can also see uh, after that after that equaliser. If you do go back through the East Perth, if it's still there in the Instagram feed, you can see some pretty ungracious uh, goal celebrations as well. There from are the players. There are players. People who have been sent off jumping on the pitch and then making their suspensions go from one game <laughs> to five games or four games or six games, and right? I'm, and I'm sure they'll complain about that and say it's unjust, won't they? A, coach, boys. a coach gets sent off, and then today, yesterday, Maddington had another player sent off in another game. Guess who they're playing on Wednesday? Uh, I imagine it might be East Perth. I tell you what, they are going to need a strong uh, professional referee to uh, take charge of that one. Kalichi, have they got one? They've got David Bruce. Oh, Brucey. Oh, he's the one you want. That's that's actually the referee. that You'd, you'd want Brucey, Albert and Navatsas as the as the officiating Abs- crew for absolutely. that one. Wait, wait, wait. Is Brucey the, the man that 
gave you a yellow card for that tackle on Friday's eco. He may have. He'll let it go. He'll just, he just lets. That's the why. Game that's fly. why you love Brucey. He's a great, great referee. <laughs> he should have said. Talk about naughty boys. He should have sent Kalichi. I've had. Uh, him twice I, know we, I know we bring that up every second week, but it still boggles the mind. Listen, he's booked me two for two times. I've had him twice. He's booked me twice. All right, shut him up, Robbie. Let's uh, give give us a state league wrap up. What's going on in the state league before yeah. we go home? There is a lot going on. Um, as predicted, there's a good bit of competition across the board in both leagues. If we look at um, State League Div 1 first, um, as expected, um, as it should be with the um, the standard of quality squad that Olympic Kingsway have, they are um, running away with the league at the moment. Um, they are seven points clear, won 10 games, only um, had one defeat there. And um, there's a bit of a chase behind them with teams like Fremantle, Western Knights, Mandurah. Um, what happened to really Mandurah? Um, Mandra on the weekend get a 4-0 defeat to um, to Dianella White Eagles at Dianella and you know D- Dianella is never an easy place to go no. Dianella Reserve um, no. it's a place that I've, I've been a, a couple of times um, with with my team and um, you know they have a really strong support and to be honest with you with the standard of squad that they had with the season start they were projected to um, come into State League Div 1 and do very well and so far this season it's been a bit of a disappointment. Is Stewie Moses still there? Stewie Moses is still the coach, and um, at, at the moment he's still su- supported by Bobby um, Despotowski. So they, they have a strong yeah. coaching team there. They have a, a really good core of players um, at the start of the season anyway. I don't know what the situation is like now. Um, but no, that that's a big win for them. Yeah, those um, are those are three huge points because it lifts them out of the uh, the play, sort of relegation playoff spot that the second bottom team in Division 1 faces. Uh, for Mandra's pretty pretty tough going for them because they lost 4-0 after a really big win against Western Knights last week and with all those teams up there either dropping points or taking points off each other it's all just playing into Kingsway's hands because they've got a seven point gap now it's Div 1's becoming that type of league that it's is expected you know anyone could be anyone except bar one or two and um it's that's why it's so great great to watch um a, a lot going on a, a team that's had a lot going on is Quinn's they've um Lost their coach in Glenn Grostate, who's now at Balcata. There's always a lot going on at Quinns. There is, there is. <laughs> I, I'm not, I won't get into that. But um, you know, last week they they had a big win against Jindalup United, and now they went home and got a four-two defeat to Forestfield, who are a, a very good young team. So there's lots going on, and it's a, a great league to to keep tabs on. Apparently, there's a sneaky transfer that's happening. Um, there may be a few sneaky transfers going on everywhere. Um. Anything in particular? Uh, I heard that there was a, a transfer towards that that Fremantle part of the of the. Oh well, yes, there is. Um, Gavin Knight has made the move from Jindalup United to Fremantle. Young and Gavin. He, he, Gavin was keeps on he, going. He was, he was actually playing against Rockingham in the weekend, um, where they picked up a two-one win and a fantastic goal by Ryan Kennedy, um, Rockingham's captain. I would say that's probably the goal of the week across across the, all the leagues. Yeah. The, the state and to top oh, it off he, it got, well, he? he got two two yellow cards within the space of seven minutes and got sent off oh fantastic so, that ties it all together exactly oh, you've got you've got great goals you've got naughty boys what doesn't the state league have well not obviously uwa a, a bottom in uh, division one but that actually drops uh well the points that dinella got drop uh rockingham into this that second bottom spot um, and it is at least there is the one league where where it's exciting where you've got the two promotion relegation spots, albeit with a playoff. If there was another promotion spot from uh, Division One into the MPL, it would just make that league even more exciting because obviously Kingsway this year, Sterling last year, that they sort of cut the rest of the field adrift. It's looking that way for Kingsway at the moment. If we had that chase for a second promotion spot or, or maybe a promotion playoff. That would just make it so much more exciting, wouldn't it, Robbie? Yeah, and looking at the potential teams that are actually um, going to be coming up from Div 2 into Div 1, uh, at the moment, the favourites look to be Karamar Shamrock Rovers, a team who um, play their very much their own style of football, and um, it, it very much works for them. You know, 21 goal difference, the best in the league, only picked up two losses. Um, at the moment, four points clear. Um, behind them is Gosnell City, though, a team who have performed very well so far have only picked up one loss from from their 10 games and um, I'm I'm sure going into the second half of the season that will become even more tighter Um, you've got teams like Curtin University Kingsley Westside Joondalup City and Swan who are all within Mm. the same three or four points of each other to try and push into them top four spots and I believe they're all teams that can 
turn up on the day and potentially end up in Div 1 because they, they just have them type of, types of squads. Yeah, it, it makes you nervous if you're in that 11th place spot because you know you've got good teams that you've got to compete against in the playoffs. Mm. Well, give us a shout-out for your boys as well. You're, you're going to lead some uh, some youngsters to a, to a title, Robbie, I hear. I hope so. Um, yeah, um, my second year coaching with um, Joondalup City under-18s and we've, we've had a great season so far um, in, in terms of our 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 league position and our points for 11 wins on the bounce so far so um it's it's been a great year and we we have the um the pleasure and the advantage of having an NPL junior program to to bring up players from and give the best opportunities to and give exposure to the physicality of state league football not not often I say this Kaleji but come on city <laughs> um also uh Bit of a, a daunting prospect now for, for Southwest Phoenix. Doesn't look good for them. Um, they had two two home games against Ashfield and Barger, teams who, if they'd get that result, would kind of push themselves a little bit closer to them. Um, but losing 1-0 to, to both Ashfield um, with, with with a Chambers goal. I don't know how Chambers got a goal there. Um, and and, and Balga getting that 1-0 win, again, going all the way down there to Bunbury to, to, to play them. Um, you'd be a little bit disappointed on, on that end for, for Southwest Phoenix. And hopefully, for, for my sake, they're not back in the Sunday League next year. Uh, final State League thoughts, Josh? I was just going to say, I mean, you touched on there, a bit of a daunting prospect for the other teams in, in the amateur leagues that they might have a trip to Bunbury again next year. Any other closing thoughts, Robbie? Southwest Phoenix, um, a team that's been struggling with being able to get players on the pitch, especially when it comes to travelling, meant to be a really you know stronghold team down in Bunbury, but at the moment they've been picking up just the odd one no loss, and I'm sure they'd be very very frustrated with that. And Ashfield, a team who have just came down from Div One, struggling towards the bottom of State League Div Two, have um, done very well to travel midweek down to Bunbury and actually collect a, a last minute winner. Uh- Kalichi, you've got uh, something you wanted to mention just before we wrap up. Before we wrap up, Tommy, any, any last thoughts? Uh, keep an eye out for Gosnell City. They made that massive surge last season, the back end of the campaign, uh, ignited by that FFA Cup run where they knocked out Rockingham on the way. If they can replicate that second half of the season, they may just have a chance of catching Caramana to Mark Anthony. Sorry, Kalichi, it was our communication there, the, the non-verbal gestures. I, I should have thrown to Tommy first. Now I'll throw to you for, for, uh, for one final little message before we all get going. We want to do something nice for the good people at Calm Scott. Um, they are having a fundraiser to help raise funds for Sergio Tucci. Or Tucci? Sorry, Sergio. I don't know how to pronounce the, 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 the Tucci. Tucci. Sorry, Sergio. Um, that Yeah, Sergio is having a, a fight with cancer. So if you can donate and get part and be part of that fundraiser, we'd really encourage it. Um, also, shout out to the good people at East Perth who generated $1,000 um, in terms of fundraising for that. So it's good to see the Sunday League all, all backing together. So when is that fundraiser for Kelm Scott? The fundraiser is on the 19th of June. There's raffles. There's a DJ live music and a crossbar challenge, which I think Nick Carter has challenged a... Cameron Lord to a crossbar oh, challenge. Excellent. The loser puts the hundred dollars to charity. Straight, straight off Facebook into real life. That one. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Uh, any more for any more? It's been a uh, huge podcast today. Obviously, thank you so much to uh, Chris Barty for coming on, joining us for part one. Uh, thank you, Josh. Uh, great to be back in action. Well, well said, Robbie. Thank you. So it was a pleasure spending um, a couple of hours of my my week with you, boys. Oh, couldn't be with a better group of people. Kalichi, thank you. Thank you so much. And remember, people, don't let the uh, great get in the way of the good. Absolutely. Tommy Dolman, thanks. See you, guys. Go Socceroos. And, uh, well, maybe we'll do a bit on them next week. Uh, thank you, the listener. We uh, love you more than anyone, and we really appreciate uh, your tuning in. Jump on your, uh, whatever your podcast provider is, rate, subscribe, send us some messages, good, bad feedback. We want to hear it all. Uh, we'll filter out all the uh, negative feedback because Kalichi's got sensitive feelings, but I'll, I can take it. Um, but please do, yeah, get, get in touch. Uh, let us know uh, how you're finding it and, and the rate, the subscribe. As I've said, that really helps us uh, spread the word. So thank you again so much. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Blue. See you next week.